Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Ragnar the Young, the Young Ragnar. Can you take live with another episode of the Beckons of the Herald of Steel campaign with the adventure of the Kings? Is it the Kings? It's the Kings. And the quest, Gorgirith. So, in the last bit of the show, our party had a very interesting stay at the uh, Airbnb within the desert, the uh, little deserty space before Dustwind, uh, taking a nice fair uh, berth around the place just to avoid any sort of foot traffic from the Iron Maelstrom, avoiding all of that as much as they could. But unfortunately, our party could not avoid the darkness of Valaketh, as they were hunted and attacked by wraith-like forms of fallen enemies during their career, as well as Valaketh himself. Uh, the party managed to beat them off, fight them off, and yeah, they didn't beat them off. That's for the unrated version of the show. But anyway, after that whole thing happened and they all cleaned up, the, uh, I guess, yeah, Klika got a very interesting message from a voice inside of her head from Ador Olamgrabert, the uh, interesting lord of Dustwind, as it were, potential daddy. Who knows? That's daddy drama we don't talk about. But with that in mind, a strange right, message came to right. her. Yeah, Murray. But anyway, uh, Klika got word that she should probably go meet with her mama. The truth is out there, yada, yada, yada. And with that, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess there was a, we, we couldn't really decide what happened. Either there was the giant stony sinkhole, there was either a rock slide that buried it or a rock slide that squished it. But we're all pretty sure Dustwind has been smushed uh, to a painful extent. Probably pretty painful extent. Uh, but with that in mind, uh, our friend, Mr. Olmgrabert, uh, didn't seem to be able to finish the last message uh, before all communication was lost and a giant hazy dust wind sort of poofed up from the city itself out to all the surrounding lands. Um, and that sort of leaves us where we are at camp, just by, just by the crossroads by dust wind leading to dwarvish lands to the south. Our party is still on the journey towards the uh, little barony of Solvide uh, with hopes of finding the white dragon Dindereth, taking some of that sweet, juicy ice dragony blood, bringing it home, making a funky potion, and heading their way back to Gorgareth so Jarzak can have his wonderful uh, family reunion. So, now, uh, party's at camp. Night has fallen. The hope light here in the... Uh, in the uh, lantern has been brought back. So what would our party like to do? Is Klika going to cry? Klika 
doesn't know if she should get rid of the dagger or not. Oh yeah, that was the other thing. I yeah, forgot about that part. You know, just... good old flicker. Is Clica currently like has it out and looking at it or anything? Well, I think she's gonna like come back to the party after looking at Dustwind for a bit while holding the dagger and be like, um, while we were fighting, Clica was talking to uh, the nice old man that she would meet in Dustwind sometimes who. Also, is their king, and maybe also Kleeka's dad. And he told me that I should probably get rid of Flicker. But I don't know, because it's the only way that I will be able to talk to him. It, um, he kind of cut off suddenly when there was that big explode. Well, that big whatever happened over there. And now Klika's not sure if she should listen and throw the dagger away or I mean, hold on to it. Oh, oh, if you're just going to be like throwing it away, that's a pretty nice dagger. I mean, I, I can hang on to it or we could sell it or... No, I'm pretty sure he didn't say just give it to Jarzak. He said get rid of it. Um... It... Can... We could also have an arcana and a religion check if we want people to do sort of a, a look at this as the party sort of stands around looking yeah. at this cursed little device here. Uh, well, did he give a reason that it needed to be completely abandoned? No, but Valakest... You also remember, a... I was going to say from that last comment, yeah, Valakest Val- Val- mentioned that it was his doing that Kliga got the dagger at all. So, I don't know. Well, do keep in mind that Valakath is also known as the deceiver. He could very well be lying to show doubt into your mind. Break the only connection you have now to your home, or what could have been your home. So what do we got on arcane <laughs> and, when, and religion? Norhill says what could have been your home, Kleeka just turns back around to look at Dustwind and sort of imagines to herself a life she could have lived there. I'm going to say just rolling mushroom cloud of, of yeah. dust and smoke rising around it. I mean, Dustwind was a dusty place to begin with, and somebody just went in there and went whap to the carpet. So that place just... Mm-hmm. So, Can I also roll? Yeah, arcane religion checks. Everybody's going to be able to get their two cents in on this. Not everybody. Click it, got a 21. No nature. No nature checks, Jared. Can I intimidate the dagger? Yes. Don't worry. I got a sweet. (laughs) (laughs) It pees itself. Um, Don't worry. Jarzak's going to have a sweet knowledge of nature check that comes up in a little bit. Oh, God. Don't worry. I saved it just for you. You're going to feel so pumped when you know what it is. All right, what's uh what's Anton got for religion? Fifteen. Okay, and what about did anybody else roll religion? I rolled a twenty-one Arcana. Did you say no, Arcana no. or history or religion? Just religion or Arcana. Okay. Okay, so the two of you know that if there is some sort of a magical link connecting this to somebody else, 
the dispelling of magic upon the dagger could potentially break that connection. But Anton, on the other hand, knowing about handling certain magical devices and rituals, uh, removing a curse from it might also be able to just break whatever link like the deceiver might have over it. This item may be more cursed with a connection rather than like enchanted with one, as it were. You see what I'm saying? So Anton might actually have the powers himself to be able to remove the curse from this and be able to break the connection that the deceiver has to it. But hard to say. I'll give that option the Klika because I think what Anton's thinking, I mean, if this happened to Glory Week, he'd be, I don't even know what kind of condition he'd be in. And knowing Klika really doesn't have a set home, but that this possibly could have been her home, I think he's really, I think he gets the sentimentality of it. He's like this, I think he's kind of like Klika. If you want to keep it and it, proves to be dangerous, I might have a way to fix it, but I don't want to change this for you right now. Maybe we got to sit and think on this. Yeah. um, If there's a chance that changing it at all will make it so that Klika can't talk with um well it's we'll, we'll figure it out do we want to go down there i i don't know if we really have the time we are pretty far out and we took this route to avoid dust when to begin with Kalika would like to go, but she knows that that's not why we're here. Very well. Turn tighter to his chest, because now he's just, not even the fact of losing the light, now he could think like this could happen to Konerwake too, he's he's getting a little, he's getting a little nervous, he's getting a little sweaty. God damn it. Anton, is there a hole in your water skin? It's just pouring off of him. Very well. Okay. And so with that, uh, if you guys wanted to, you could uh, lay out the order of the watch. And yeah. So who's going to be first? Yeah, Tom will be first. Just because I think he'll he'll be like just too focused. Like he's focusing on the lantern like a mosquito. He wants to just make sure it's not going to go out. Not like a moth or something <laughs> less terrible, like a mosquito. <laughs> I'll, I'll take I'll take a glass watch. Mm-mm. You know that's fine. Clicker just shoots Jarzak a look. I meant second to last. I like thinking that when Clicker shoots anybody a look, it sounds like that SpongeBob sound effect where it's like the. And like the eyeballs just <laughs> yeah. to the side real quick. Uh, Norhill will but, take second watch in that case. Oh uh, yeah, click will take last watch. All right, in that case, uh, Jarzak on third watch. Could I get a perception check from you? Eighteen. Uh, okay, and then could I also get a nature check? This is actually a separate nature check, not oh. even the one I was planning on having you go for. I actually have sure. three lined up for you. 
and one of them involves poop. A 19, and I'm not going to investigate poop, so we don't have to worry about that. That's fine. You know what? I'm going to ask you to roll nature at some point, and I'm not going to tell you when it's poop. (laughs) All right. Well, I got a 19 on nature. So you were here in the valley, or I guess the, the dusty, sandy space between you and Dustwind, the sound of some sort of, like, unearthly screeching howling noise that sounds like a facsimile of like a a hunting dog or like a hound but the screeching sort of version of it sounds like like just rusty nails on on like glass plates like it's just like the most horrendous horrific like rakes on sheet metal screeching in the distance and it just sort of echoes in the night as if like a hound howling but just like a cacophony of stirring scratching scraping metals and it seems to kind of catch on the wind and go out as faintly as it came in. But from what you know, no creature of this earth makes that kind of noise. Except for Mr. S- Mr. Steelman. He's just out there howling at the uh... moon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, and it sounds far away. Yeah, it's out way off in the distance. It catches on the wind, and that's about it. Okay. Uh, Jarzak's going to wake Klika up a l- little early to swap watches. Oh, man, I'm just so tired. Hey, Klika, can you take over? Jarzak just starts running. Like, that's not where the camp is at all. Uh, I heard some, you know, some otherworldly noises, Klika. Just, uh... Be careful, I gotta get some sleep. Bye, see ya. No need to no need to clean off any clothing. Don't worry. I definitely rolled in the mud though, and I just run off as fast as I can. Ch- try to get to my tent before Klika can uh, get to me. <laughs> Klika, Klika, Klika's a patient hunter. She'll wait. Wait for her prey to tire itself out and then strike. <laughs> wait for the distance between exhales. Alrighty. Okay. And so with that, beyond that, though, the night passes pretty much without any issue whatsoever. And come morning light, the uh, warmth of dust clothes are completely clean. You're steamed, oh, pressed, and dried. Uh, and he's like, damn it. <laughs> like, how did you shine the gauntlet without me noticing? <laughs> like, it's cold. <laughs> but with that, uh, the warm air and the warm sunlight of Dustwind, uh, it's it's kind of refreshing. You wake up warm rather than cold or damp or anything like that. And it gives you a bit more of a spring in your step when it comes time to actually get up and leave camp in the morning. And as the party's disassembling camp, did Jarzak wanted to warn anybody of anything or. Yeah, I'll, I'll let the others know that I heard the noise and whereabouts it was coming from. If I got any of that info. Yeah, I mean, it just came almost purely from the north, like just outside of Dustwind itself. Let's okay. hope that it's not after us, whatever it is. I'm yeah, sure it will not I'm, be after you. I'm, I mean, <laughs> it seems like everything's after us lately. Well, then we guess we should get moving quickly. That's right. Um, I have a rules question real quick. Oh, uh, so reduction in hit point maximum, does that go away after a long rest? Yes, sir. Okay. Aren't okay. you glad? Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, did does Anton have access to remove curse? 
I prepared it in my sleep. Yes. <laughs> Hold on. I dreamed of removing curses and woke up with it. That's a spell. Did you want to try it or did you want to wait till you were far enough away that it was respectfully distanced from the location? You know, I don't feel like I know much about curses to know the right thing to do, not gonna lie. <laughs> I, felt, I felt more like just because before you made it a point that because the wound was still fresh, you didn't want to go being like, yeah, hey, let me I see this Yeah, I think I just thing. wanted to keep it like ready so I don't forget and I'm just like, remove curse and I don't have it prepared. So I'm trying to be a good player and okay. not bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> very well okay and so with that the uh, I, was like, party walk, is... I don't think that's gonna happen <laughs> well anyway here comes the water puzzle oh, no. No. <laughs> and anton sinks to the bottom of the ocean dying of cruel cold irony um yeah and then he ends up in heaven with ira it's like hey <laughs> oh like, uh-oh. Pretty sure Jarzak would die with Anton because I gave my ring away. I can't breathe underwater anymore. Oh, shoot. Who'd you give your ring to? <laughs> the uh, captain. Captain. Oh, my God. You're right. Oh, who yeah, is? So I think. Find his sea elf girlfriend. I, yeah, I think. Did he ever find her? Oh, man. That's a mystery. No. It's a mystery. <laughs> Out of the four of us, I think Norhill's probably the only one who has the athletics to consistently swim well, but he's also in full play. And so a dwarf. And a dwarf. So that kind yeah, of discounts him. Regardless of their athletic skills, uh, dwarves just sink like stone when, when they're, they're just too uh, dense. <laughs> yeah. They're like rocks. I'm they're pretty just... sure we'd all drown. I'm sure that one other yeah. person appreciated that joke, Dan. You know, I I still love the fact that in like early editions of D D when they had like modules, they didn't have like, oh, roll this check, like before checks. And I just remember in Tower of Xenopus, there's a part with like a river and a small bridge crossing, and there's like a giant lobster in the water or something like that. But like if you fall in the water, it just says if you are wearing a heavy armor, you drown. Like it's just it's that quick. You just fell in, and you're like, well. And then all of a sudden, like the Dark Souls, like you died thing pops up on the screen. You're like, what a game we play. You just but anyway, lean down under the table and pull up one of the 50 character sheets you prepared ahead of time, <laughs> knowing that you need all of them. Yeah. Anyway, um, okay. So with that, uh, what's the party's plan now? We are near the crossroads to the south of Dustwind and sort of like equidistant between the halls of silver and steel and Dustwind. Uh, the party has an opportunity now to either try to make their way along the mountains, not going back to the road, or connecting back to the road and making a quicker trek all the way to Sultide. Uh, how's the terrain? Um, like, fairly near the mountains. Is it very hilly? Is it like, a like uh, how, how does it fare for travel? essentially to be honest it's pretty much all just plains the entire way at the mountain's base it's just like rolling hills and plains so for what it's worth it's probably one of the most like preferable uh conditions to be traveling through it's not even like forest like there's like you know copses and thickets of trees but like yeah it's just rolling hills man uh, yeah, Norhill is going to recommend just uh, walking through wilderness, making sure that the mountains are always to our left. Right. 
So is that the plan for the party? I don't think Anton has any objection. Yeah. Okay. So could I get a very simple uh, survival check just to get out of this path and not get lost in the dunes? Who's rolling it? I got a 15. Sweet. So with that, Klika, with tears and dust in her eyes, leads the party outside of the sandy dunes here of the crossroads. Uh, can everybody check off one of their rations as we enter sort of like a bushlandy kind of territory where it's just thicker grasses and small copses of shrubbery and whatnot. The sun out here, uh, it's probably like the first true hot day of spring. You know what I mean? It's not like one of those warm days, but it's like truly like it gets above the 70s and you start to feel like the ground really starting to bake. But as the party's traveling through here, yeah, it, I mean, it's nice. It's not great wearing all the armor, but it's starting to feel like warmer weather. And you guys can see wildflowers, you know, opening pretty much as you guys are traveling by. Like, sort of by the end of the day, lots of the same kinds of variety of wildflowers are fully bloomed, whereas in the beginning of the day, they were just sort of bulbs blossoming. Um, but everybody takes down the trail ration. Um, and by the end of the day, uh, was Anton going to cast that remove curse or did you want to kind of role play that out with Klika? I'll role play that out. It's a fun time in the day when I think Klika's at her most, I hope she's at her most calm. I think, I think Klika, if you thought about it and you still want to. You're just full on peril. Possibly remove any of the darkness that was referenced by. Valaketh that can try a spell if if you'd like for me to. Yeah, Kliga slowly takes Flicker out of her lap because she's sort of just been well, it's not on her lap because she's on a dog, but she's had it near her. She's been aware of its presence, so I, uh, she dismounts Shalt and walks over to uh, Anton and just hands him flicker without saying anything and just gives Anton a small nod. Got it. So Anton's going to cast and just drive myself right and remove curse. Okay. Touch. And so all I'm going to have you do is just roll me like a caster check. So just roll a d20 and add your level to it. Right. Isn't that how the caster checks work in 5th edition, or is it adding the spell bonus? It depends, really. Like, for counterspell, it's just your uh, spellcasting modifier. Well, not your modifier, but your spellcasting ability. But for other things, you add your actual, like, full bonus. Okay. In that case, we'll add your full bonus to it. So go ahead and do your wisdom mod and your proficiency bonus. One wisdom mod... Because as you begin to cast this spell and try to pull the darkness from the blade, you sense like the, as you're casting it and sort of trying to remove the residual darkness from within the blade, you notice that like as you hold your hands over it with the lantern light shining upon the blade and trying to like kind of coerce the darkness out of it, 
you notice snapping dark tendrils kind of reaching out like eels just kind of snapping and nipping for your fingers with razor-like teeth. But as you continue to push forward with faith that the light would protect you from all darkness within the blade, the uh, snapping jaws seem to close and the things sort of uh, dissipate into just like smoky darkness and fade away. And after about 30 minutes or so, the blade seems to take on a bit of a different hue. And you notice that the skull emblem on the, uh, like the little skull on the pommel there actually slowly shifted as the blade sort of reached uh, a new point of uh, freedom from the curse. And as you uh, see the skull shifting, it actually becomes something of a dragon's like skull. And so, so long as you're using the blade now, Klika, and so long as you're attuned to it, it's actually going to do uh, an extra D6 of acid damage so long as you're attuned to it. It still has the orcish tongue attached to it, um, but from now, yeah, that and the, the like all the details of the blade take on sort of a brass and a bronze kind of like fancy sort of dancing set of uh, colors all over the, um, like all the, uh, all the uh, intricacies of the, the pommel and the, the design of the blade. I don't know why I'm running out of words for this description, <laughs> but yeah, there you go. So with that, it's almost as if removing the darkness, like, kind of cleansed the blade, and you see what it truly looked like beforehand. I just need a nice rub and shine. And it's still a (laughs) plus one weapon as well? Yeah. Okay. And uh, do Hmm. I still have the dark vision extension? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so yeah, that's cool. Perfect. Mm Mm-hmm. Look at new. What Anton says is he gives it to her and he, but he says between you and me, I think you could have. I don't know. That was a that was a very odd curse. You should try doing that Would to Jarzak's gauntlet. anything about that curse? <laughs> <laughs> it becomes a holy avenger. Yeah. <laughs> Just gets a dragon <laughs> fist. Like, could you get an idea of like what that curse was? What it was? If it was like doing a specific thing, like any idea of like why it was placed and what was severed? Can he? gather any of that or no i mean between clica's arcane check and your religion check it was some sort of like uh not a simulacrum but some sort of like a a scrying sort of curse whereby this acted almost like as an eyeball from valaketh sort of like a viewing position as if the dagger was kind of weighed down with this presence within it and one could imagine that this blade itself had sort of provided a lens into what the party was doing at all times. Every combat encounter and everything had the deceiver's inky touch on like every single kill, every single corpse. And so Anton has sort of a realization as he removes the curse that nearly every single kill that Klika has ever gotten, every single stab wound, every single injury caused by Flicker in some way, these... The, the victims have all sort of been anointed with Valaketh's dark energy before going onward, we'll call it. So I guess Anton can know that this curse seems to have traveled far beyond just Klika. And maybe the cloudy darkness she spread far across the land may go farther than what you might think initially as you think back to the raids that arrived in that camp. And then you think about the fact that each one of them was oddly under the dark curse of Valaketh, bound to Valaketh to do his bidding. And you start to put two and two together that maybe 
just maybe that curse on the blade may have been doing a lot of work for Valaketh all Wait, along. It wasn't all my fault. Like my conscience is clear. Oh. The sword grows bigger. I think Anton kind of just keeps that to himself. I don't think he's going to bring that up. I don't think Klika could live with that much guilt after what she had witnessed yesterday. I mean, he's kind of thinking like, well, they did turn against us. If it happened to be an evil blade, what are you going to do? In a kind of odd way, I feel like he's like, I don't, he understands Klika's not the kind of person to just kill someone like outright for no reason. It's either because they deserve death or she's trying to majority of the time protect herself. So it's 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 terrible that they were tied into that fate, but if they're I, enemies I like of ours, they probably like, had to come. I feel like he's kind of understanding of I mean it's a good thing I've been using Shadow Blade for the most part then. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a shame if it was bound by darkness. <laughs> And you were using the darkness spell on the blade. It's almost as if. Oh, oh no. He also, he, he more finds it creepy that Valakav's been basically watching them the whole time. And it's like, if he's been watching the whole time, why is he only moved on them at these times now? What was he watching for? What is he waiting for? Because he's planning something clearly. So that's, I think that's more on the forefront of his mind. Did he want to talk about that with the party and leave behind the idea that maybe Coleco was death kissing everybody with the blade and cursing them to servitude? Anton, as he replaced up, he says, the only thing I notice, and it, it does seem odd to me, I, I think that bleed has some form of scrying to it. Valaketh, I think, was able to watch us, but he looks at it, Jarzak, and he's like, granted, I think he might have been able to watch yeah. us too with you. I'm, I'm pretty sure he was already I, with us. I just wonder why, what his plan is, because it's clearly not to kill us. If he wanted to kill us, there were many opportunities. There was so many times he could have done this. He's, he's waiting for something. He's trying to get something. I don't know what. And as, and as Anton again marches down the hall of understanding... Again, the echoes of seeing the corpses rebirthed in darkness of all the people Klikas at one point or another stabbed. You know, maybe gifting such an awful device to her so early on in her career and allowing her to sort of sow his seed across the land, it's slowly becomes a realization, I hope, to Anton that like Valaketh's been like spreading his influence in many different ways and keeping his tabs on the party is one part, but again, like he, he's just pure darkness and evil. Like, it, I mean, he's got a lot of plans, you know? And again, looking over at Klika, who I imagine still looks quite puzzled, pained and demoralized. It's probably not the best time to alarm her that combat prowess and all the help she's done has probably just expedited a line of darkness and straight to Valaketh. It's like the easy Yo, pass. This just sounds like a bad STD. <laughs> I'm just like, don't want to tell my friend about it. I'm just like, Oof. good boy. <laughs> Let's ignore that. Keep going. <laughs> um, She's just been okay. giving everybody shadow herpes. <laughs> I don't. I don't <laughs> like this anymore. 
the curse has been lifted. We're all happy again. Never. Besides, I'm pretty sure Jarzak's the only one who contracted a disease at any point in this entire thing. <laughs> Valaketh was very mad at him for it. Yeah. But oh yeah. Anywho. Um so with that in mind and that role playing done, uh, the party, as they're setting up their camp here in the grasslands now by the end of the evening, um, just outside the outskirts of Dustwind, um, or at least the region of, of sort of influence of Dustwind, uh, can everybody roll a perception check? I can roll and get a 10. Oh, peep and die. On fumbled and got a five. Three. <laughs> is he thinking about shadow STDs? Fourteen. Clica was two. <laughs> Jarzak and Norhill are unfazed. You both hear in the distance the echoing, shrieking noise that Jarzak had heard before. Oh, yeah, that's that's the one. That's the one from last night, guys. As everybody listens in, all you hear is the sort of reverberating echoes in the distance as one single long extended howl seems to echo through the valley. Does it sound like it's getting closer or about the same? It's hard to tell, especially with a 14, but it sounds just about as distant as it was before. Which is not uh, good because you guys yeah, have also so, moved. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> essentially Jarzak will relay that to everyone else. Just uh... I haven't heard anything <laughs> quite like that in these parts before. It, yeah, I, I tell. What is that awful sound? I think we have a decision to make. Do we face it? Or do we book it? I mean, it seems to be keeping pace with us, so... Uh, where, where are we going to be ending up dragging whatever that is to? Because it's probably going to hurt a lot of people if we bring it to a village or town. We don't want to lose progress. We should uh, keep our eyes and ears open, uh, but otherwise keep going as we would have anyway. Yeah. If we just ignore it, it'll eventually go away, or we'll have to kill it. But whatever doesn't kill us gets us XP. Let it come to us and also continue making progress on our current quest at the same time. Okay, so I'll let you guys continue to be mindful of it in your course of travel. Um, so the next five or so days of travel alongside the mountains, just because now the clique is on the mountain pass, uh, or at least the mountains to the left there, the uh, Sunderspine, um, the party is not going to have to roll for survival anymore, uh, though I will need you all to do some improv travel before we reach the final point here. Um, so... Uh, first and foremost, for the next five days, I'm going to need five trail rations for everybody, unless somebody wants to go trying to gather some food. And additionally, Anton's going to start creating some food and water. Okay, so in that case, you could just do it once a day, and then we'll be all set for the party. So we'll just mm -hmm. say that that's part of your rotation of spells. Um, okay. Um, so we, we and then additionally, uh, yes. Yeah, so in that case, how many rations do we spend? Uh, none. Because if, if Anton's willing to do it just every single day, right? Okay, sweet. 
at least as far as I remember from the spell effect, she fed an entire legion of dwarves. So I'm assuming she can feed you guys. Yeah, it lasts 24 hours. It's enough to feed like it's 40 pounds of food and water. We're getting some plain style cuisine. So what are we thinking, guys? We're getting some like, hmm. Trying to think of what we're gathering, the plains. Some nice top It's just potato salad. Forty pounds of potato salad. <laughs> yeah, isn't it just like it just bland falls bread? from the sky? Yeah, it's bland, flavorless food and water. Yeah, but yeah. it can be whatever shape you want, I guess. It's Legal a forty-pound hot dog. Charles, <laughs> <laughs> actually, oh man, this is one like big the greatest link. meal I've ever had. But just- it's not really thick. <laughs> It's regular thickness for a hot dog, so it's just super <laughs> long. Oh, yeah. Like, the Illuminator has blessed us with this meal. <laughs> 20 feet of hot dog. <laughs> Shaw just follows behind the carriage eating Sandy hot dog. <laughs> Ew. Good dog. But anywho... So apart from the 20-foot-long hot dog that falls from the heavens above, uh, in the five days of travel, on the third day, um, the travel is pretty usual for the first two days and the last two days, but that third day of travel is like an unearthly rainstorm occurs, where people, you guys can see on the second day, the gray clouds coming over the mountains. Um, But yeah, that whole third day is just a slog through the water. And it is just brutality. It's just bullet rain just coming down on you guys hard. So um, what would you guys like to do for your uh, bit of improvisational travel as the third and uh, sorry, the fourth and fifth days seem to dry up the rains and the puddles. But yeah, that was a good day for soup. <laughs> 40 pound trough of hot dog soup falls from the sky. This is hot dog water. It's just the water you boiled the hot dog in. <laughs> the worst oh, part is the water falls before the trough. <laughs> Anton, I think your god hates you. <laughs> uh, it's a question of faith, okay, Kleeka? <laughs> How much hot dog can we handle? <laughs> yeah, anywho. Apart from that, from the hot dog miracles, what? Dog that's not miracles. anywhere near as funny as it is. But <laughs> anywho, apart from that, what do we do for our, uh, our improvisation for travel? Uh, Norhill's going to be like way more on edge than usual. Uh, like, you know, going out maybe just uh, within shouting distance uh f- uh from the party but maybe going a little bit ahead and a little bit behind at times to you know see if he can stay sharp for whatever horrible creature is on our tail and i'll also say that as you guys are traveling this way and passing like the last remnants of sort of the dwarvish territory of the mountains here you can see like on the outskirts old dilapidated dwarvish like ruins of forts and stuff like that kind of hung out in like small outcroppings in the mountains but Nothing that's actually been in service and use, and it probably makes Norhill long for home, a simpler time. Even defensive structures at least gives you the idea of some sort of, like, you know, sense of safety in some sense. You know what I mean? But, yeah. Um, So who else has got some sweet improv for me? 
You're not allowed to bring up hot dogs. Please? Okay. You have to now involve hot dogs in your improv. As Anton's eating a hot dog, he's trying to make, he's trying to really seriously think of a list of like, how many people he could kill with flicker? So, you just, just the rest of the trip, Anton's counting this, on his fingers, keeping tally with an abacus. How far did this woods go? <laughs> Meanwhile, Klika's just feeding like old dirty hot dog to Schalt. <laughs> just looking back at Klika, Klika waves with grubby little hands. Like, what a murderer. Um, I'm trying to think of like Klika? anyone important. Oh, sorry. Anyone important she killed. And that's what I, that's what I like, like thinking. Did it happen in any boss battles where she killed someone and some big bad guys? No. Going I killed the Dwarger leader with Booming Blade. Yeah. Yeah, he was. We probably didn't have a hand in killing the High Priest of Ira. Probably didn't have anything to do with Olimia. Definitely didn't have anything to do with Felyur. Didn't have anything to do with any of the fights with the Lizard Folk or the agents of Felyur. I mean, honestly, Kalika really didn't kill that many people, didn't really attack that many people. So I think we're in the clear. But uh, with that... That's that weird, <laughs> I feel like Kalika attacks a lot of people. But yeah. Oh, God, Kalika, didn't Kalika kill the demon, too? The one that Anton couldn't kill, and he was really fucking pissed. I think Jarzar got the kill on that. Oh, I mean, I will also stress that just by stabbing these things is enough to provide a oh, bit of the in- no. infection. It's so that's kind of STD. Oh, right. you know what? The more we, the more we use this terminology, it's a stab transmitted disease. It's an STD, Dan. Yeah. This is. This is <laughs> I thought it was a shadow transmitted disease. Also, that. <laughs> yeah. Either one oh, no. and the other. Oh no. <laughs> But um, That's a lot of people. But what does that even mean to be influenced by darkness? Doesn't everyone have that daily battle with good and bad, or is this just? Anton, let's stop waxing philosophical and allowing people to be bad, okay? And all no, of a sudden, I'm we're very saying, relative with be, our morals. Just to be realistic, I can't expect everyone to be good as good as good. Anton's not as good as good as good. He has to give people the benefit of the doubt. That they're trying their best and they're they're dealing we with can't... maybe some battles, but he's is kind of curious what that whole influence of Valaketh like is. You now, like, what does that what does that really mean? Is it is it kind of similar to what he's seen happen with possibly what he can imagine has been happening with Jarzak or what happened with um? Who was it? Was it who was in the um? I, I can't figure out the name. Bolts Crag Peak, who was in there? Like, is this, is this Thubani. like Antonea? Yeah. Antonea, Thubani. We've got a lot of characters in Bolts Crag. Are you talking about yeah. the, the aspect I, of Felyur? No, I was, Spider Demon? Of, I was thinking of Thubani because he got influenced by the Deceiver to let the, the, the which shit, which army was that? This is, the this is a chaos. Okay, but listen, it's not important. Yeah. Okay, okay. That part actually might <laughs> well, be. That's what I mean. I think it's trying like how what does this influence mean? Well, just like you said, who doesn't have a little bit of darkness to them? 
And all I'm saying is that Klik is going around and adding a little bit of darkness to everybody, except this darkness isn't just any darkness. It's kind of like Jarzak's darkness. It's magic darkness. It's far more foul darkness. It's darkness incarnate. It's not just, right? Yeah. It's advanced. Better opportunities to spread, to spread magical lightness. I saw that <laughs> smile on your face, yeah. Anthony. I knew where you were going. But, okay. And then, um, I suppose... Now that Wait, can Antoine do that? Can he? Can he like, kind of like backwards curse like flicker to like then <laughs> curse people with magical lightness? Wouldn't that be a blessing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, like... I guess it depends <laughs> on who you <laughs> ask. Again, it's pretty relative, Dan. If we learned anything, I mean, are you high right, right now? Uh, <laughs> uh, what, what, I'm just gonna ask. Can the force people... like the lights influence on people? That is kind of questionable. I was tipping people's internal scales in favor of the light just as bad as tipping it in favor of the dark. Yeah, I was talking to a cleric. (laughs) Forcing it's the best way. That's like that might not be the best thing to do when Anton kind of shakes his head at that. He's like, no. Bad idea. Meanwhile, Schultz eating old hot dogs. So I'm like, it's just you're having like philosophical morality battle in your brains of like, could I bless them all or would that be a perversion of morality to force that upon others? Meanwhile, Click is teaching Schultz tricks with little pickled hot dog chunks. Norhill's ghost riding in the back and then running up front <laughs> to be in front of everybody. And Jarzak's picking his nose and Click is slapping it out of his <laughs> the gauntlet finger up his nose. Click slapping it back out of there. Sees him pull it out and he goes to wipe it on literally anything. Like <laughs> it just mage hands his hand from doing it. Um but uh yeah, and as far as um Jarzak goes uh for the improv travel, I will say this much. After what happened in that last battle and opting to protect your party, knowing that you would need them for the future. The blade on one of the nights where you're keeping watch sort of hums to your side, hoping for you to commune with it. Yeah, I'll, I'll take out the blade. Okay. And so the spectral form of the swordsman appears. And as it does, it stands before you and it asks you in its spooky spectral voice, Why did you turn towards the dwarf? and save him rather than striking down your enemy uh, he it looked like he was in a bit of a a pinch and needed a hand and so that the swordsman replies taking more of like i don't want to say like a standoffish pose against you but sort of looks back at you and says you are to control your own destiny you are to be the one to conquer your own goals and be in charge here. The dwarf is nothing but distraction. No? I mean, no, the dwarf proves to be useful. Oh, no. We've hit lawful territory. No! I keep him because he's useful. But with that, the swordsman sort of shifts his pose again and nods a couple times in understanding of what you're saying, but just says, you have done much growing. The dark tendrils are removing themselves. 
Your honesty is showing where it has to. Your courage is shown on your sleeve and your heart is on the forefront. In order for you to achieve your goals, you must actualize your strongest sense of self. If that is amongst your friends, in honesty and courage, so be it. If it is as the lone wolf, so be it. And with that, the form just kind of dissipates on the wind. Okay. Okay. That bit of, okay. The darkness is... That's good. Good news. Not sure about the rest of that and needing friends and stuff, but the darkness part. Whew. Very well. Uh, Jarzak, you hear that terrifying screech noise? Uh, very loud and not in too far off distance. Uh, Klika, Norhill, and Anton, uh, roll me a perception check to see if you awaken from your sleep to hear this noise. It doesn't sound like it's more than like a thousand feet away. Is it a disadvantage because we're asleep? I won't even do that. Again, it'd be like if a dump truck fell off a cliff in front of you. 18. 8. 9. So I guess Norhill <laughs> leaps up from sleep. <laughs> uh, uh, Norhill's going to look around and check on everybody else. Uh, well, I mean, Klinka uh, and Anton appear to be sleeping, but Jarzak's yeah, Jar- standing there Jarzak with a blade. Try and wake them up. Yeah, okay. so Jarzak's waking them up. Norhill's going to don his armor. How long does it take you to dawn it? Uh, you're gonna make me look up the dawn off table, right? Yeah. I think it's ten minutes. minutes. I think it's uh, <laughs> quite a long time. Uh, well, if I can put it on so that it's just like sort of half plate, that's good too. You know, not. Oh, we're really gonna do half plate rules. Isn't half plate just a type of armor? I know, but I'm just saying that this thing is only about a thousand feet away. And it's hauling ass for what it's worth. But okay, so as armored as possible. Um, true, true. Th- so does it sound like it's coming, like it's dragging through the ground or something? On the ground. Oh, this is something terrestrial. The sound appears to be like coming in your direction, and it sounds a lot more like a bestial sort of metallic screeching noise coming in your direction. Um, but yeah, it just sounds like something galloping, but again, it's like a thousand feet away. I don't know if you guys would have camped on top of a hill or between hills. My guess is that since Norhill has been kind of taking a strategic front on this, Norhill would have opted for you guys to be in a lower space rather than higher space. Yeah. I feel like I've come to understand Norhill's tactics with camping. (laughs) It's simple, but effective. Um, would you guys have been lighting campfires out here? Now that we're a fair distance away from Dustwind, yeah, probably. Ooh. I guess it depends on who's on watch, really. Uh, yeah, Jarzak wouldn't have a fire going. I, I think one of the main reasons we have Anton go first is because the rest of us just put the fire out after. Probably what we do is we have a campfire early on like for cooking and heating of water and stuff 
But then, you know, you take the coals and you put in, like, a little brazier inside the big, giant, like, command tent that we have. Fair enough. Okay. Um, so with that, I imagine it gives you guys enough time for Klika and Jarzak and uh, Norhill and Anton to get ready-ish. And by that, I mean, I mean awake. I think the only one who could understandably be armored would be Jarzak at this point. Um, but what would you guys like to do? Because it does sound like now that you're all listening in a lot more closer, uh, on a windless night with nothing really except for like cicadas and, and the crickets to sort of take up the airspace, it sounds like clinking, clanking metal is just trotting in your direction. One might almost suggest that it's like a quadruped, some sort of beast just like hauling ass in this general direction. All right. Uh, this thing's coming quick. We need to make fast decisions here. D- I could oh. I could put up a wall of fire between it and this. I don't know if that'll stop it. We can hear it from here. Do you... Do you hear it? Perhaps it'll give it pause for a moment. But I, I can make us fly and we just fly away. Can you make us all fly? I can make two of us fly and I can definitely carry Klika. Abandon the camp, though? That, that would put us in a worse position than we began. I'm not Anton. I can still follow her. I can't just abandon an animal after I named it, Jarzak. Oh, God, we have a dog here now, too. I love how this is the plan. You guys are just, like, shuffling around, grabbing valuables. You hear it in the distance. You're like, all right, we're all going to fly. Like, what about the dog? Fucking Schultz. Okay. (laughs) Schultz just fucking fully passed out on its back. I guess we're having a running dream. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think the time has come to make our stand against whatever this is. Yeah, Kalika's gonna just start casting her buffing spells: Shadow Blade, uh, Fire Shield, Blink, Mirror Image, as many as she can get off before it gets here. Okay, and then uh, I will also say, apart from Jarzak, everybody else is unarmored for this, other than Shields. Uh, as I imagine, nobody would have the time to be able to actually don a full suit of armor. And for what it's worth, you guys would have about 60 seconds to be able to prepare yourselves before whatever it's happens. happens. Can I at least have the helmet, Dude. the helmet steel brand on? I'll give you the helmet. Yeah, you can even have the <laughs> right. Uh Okay, everybody. Norhill's going to have an armor class of 12 for this. Anton's going to do a new spell. It's only a little less than Jarzak normally, so we're good. Dude, can I try Guardian of Faith to give us a little bit of an extra hand? I mean, I suppose I don't. I mean, I suppose so. Why wouldn't you? Oh no, I was just thinking like that might actually be a good idea. Maybe. I'm just trying to think of where to put it. Because I'm unarmored. Sorry. Norhill's gonna make it. Don't worry. I wouldn't kill the party off. Not here. Um, okay. And so Guardian of Faith, just large spectral guardian appears and hovers. Yeah, and I'm just trying to think of where to put it, because it can move in a space within 10 feet. Um, and whenever oh, any creature that is hostile and moves to a space within 10 feet, the guardian must make a success on a deck saving throw. The creature takes 20 radiant damage on a failed save or half damage on a success. The guardian vanishes when it's dealt a total of 60 damage. Oh, God, I keep trying. Okay. So, I How mean, long I can does it last? Also... This is eight hours. 
Oh, okay. So would the plan be to summon that thing and just have everybody kind of circle around it? Yeah. All right, so this is going to be sort of a giant beacon of light, whereas before you guys were in the dark and this thing was just kind of hoofing it in your general direction, this is going to definitely be a, like, come here, like, blinking neon sign. So Come with that... I'm going to find a calculator. <laughs> it's okay. I can keep track of that for you. I don't mind. Um, and so with that, as the party prepares themselves, were there any other prepare- preparations we wanted to do? What does your guardian of faith look like? It really doesn't look... It just has a sword, a sword and a shield. Like It says its body is indistinct. Yeah, it's whatever you want it to look like. Oh, I, I thought mean, it could I be wielding sure. a morning star. Yeah, whatever I, you think the most inspired, you know, illuminator esque guardian of faith. <laughs> Fucking lighthouse. I figured. <laughs> I mean, I. Oh, yeah, it's oh, just God, a yes. It's a lighthouse with a windmill on the side that has a mace attached to it. <laughs> Holy fuck! I no, love it. I, would, I, I could kind of imagine um, the ghosts of Christmas past from the Jim Carrey adaptation. Anybody knows what that looks like? Is that the jolly one? No, uh, that's the, 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 that's uh, the Ghost of Christmas present. Oh, the chains? No, 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 no. no. The, fir- the first one is weird. It kind of looks like a candle. Why are we going back to communist Santa Anton? I don't know. I think we made the podcast was better without <laughs> having that. <laughs> and oh now we're going God, right wait, back to it. It is a weird candle person. Oh, yeah, shit. See, that's creepy yeah, as see, fuck. You see why I wait, thought wait, of that? I gotta share my screen. Was that what you're going to do? The weird scary. candle thing from the Jim Carrey yeah. adaptation? Wait a minute. This is scary as hell. Okay, I'm taking that as a yes. I'm so with that, you guys are gonna. St- oh, I can't share the screen because I don't have Bluetooth. But just imagine <laughs> it's it's weird. It's a candle. I'm, I'm, the head is the flame. Now this is podcasting. I couldn't palm my head hard enough at this point. So with that, the giant candle-headed flame, fucking lighthouse, windmill, mace-wielding spirit guardian appears from the lamplight in the middle with Norhill in his underpants, wearing his helmet. Darzak fully suited and ready to go. Kalika, who's already at full battle capacity within 13 seconds with the yep. dog at the ready. I, I do want to prep when it comes within 120 feet. I want to cast a spell on it. Okay, so just a prepared action? Yeah. All right. Um, okay. And so from where you guys are pitted here in the corner, uh, in between the uh, little hills here and a little bit of a divot, all of a sudden, uh, with nothing but really a starlight and the ambient light of the illuminating guardian that has appeared but between the fucking abomination of light that has appeared here, uh, the party uh, sees what comes skidding into view, seeing this as literally like a homing beacon for it, a giant metallic hound about the size of a, like a full bowl, I guess, would just be the way to describe it. But it's just like a mechanical giant robotic hound. And this thing has glowing red eyes. And as it sort of centers in on you guys here, it opens its mouth. You can hear that chiming, screeching sound of the metal as if it's like revving up to let off some sort of a raucous, screeching assault. But as it's about to come charging into camp, as Darzak's about to do his spell, that is where we're going to end it.
Hey everyone, I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in. And if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at YGrognard on Twitter. Or you can even send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things... Dungeons. Dungeons.